In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are certain saints that have embedded themselves into our culture, and sometimes I wonder where we would be without them. For example, we have St. Nicholas, Bishop of Myra, whom we have transformed into an overgrown elf and named Santa Claus, who comes down chimneys on Christmas Eve and brings presents to good boys and girls. There is also St. Patrick, who drove the snakes out of Ireland, taught the doctrine of the Trinity using a shamrock, and we remember with parades in New York City or dyeing the Chicago River green and going to a local pub and having a pint of an adult beverage. We mustn't forget St. Valentine either, whose deep devotion and love of Christ led to his martyrdom, and we commemorate him by giving chocolates to those whom we love and our soulmate, and perhaps even going out to eat at the most romantic venue we can afford. And then there's St. Francis of Assisi. Well, firstly, it is right and fitting that we should celebrate Francis for all that he did and all that he taught us. Born in 1182, Francis was just like most of us. He had dreams of glory, both of military success and also a prosperous career. His father was a wealthy merchant in Assisi and may have had some influence in what was a rather harmless but perhaps misspent youth. But something happened to him, um, almost like a sort of coming of age. And this is where we sometimes turn Francis into a caricature of himself. We think of Francis as some sort of quasi-hippie who embraced some trees and had a love of nature that was unparalleled until the 1960s. But this is somewhat misguided, you might even say highly misguided, and does not do justice to who Francis was and what he truly did. Francis, in this coming of age, or this attack of conscience, began noticing something, or really someone, the poor and the beggars, even in some accounts, lepers who may have had a colony near Assisi. And that's one of the things we must learn from Francis, to notice the unnoticeable, to notice and see, truly see, the people who are the least of society, the forgotten of our culture. And in this noticing, Francis himself, someone who was wealthy, someone who could have had just about anything he could dream of possessing, gave up all material possessions and became just like the people whom he felt called to serve. This calling led him to eventually begin an order, a monastic society, whom we today know as the Franciscans. And they are an order of monks 
who are known throughout the world for their charity, but also for their preaching and now some, and now some of their writings. Richard Rohr, for instance, one of the great Catholic writers of today, is a Franciscan. One of the mottos or mantras that is attributed to Francis is not only applicable to me, someone in holy orders, but to everyone else who claims the title of Christian. And this is what Francis said. Preach the gospel always. Use words only when necessary. It is our actions, our prayers, our living of our daily lives that should be the proclamation of the good news of our blessed Lord to the world. Francis would be shocked to hear Christians of all stripes saying that we need to check our Christianity, our faith at the door of civic or perhaps business dealings or in our voting or even in the morals that we see and watch portrayed on television and in the cinema. For Francis, the preaching of the gospel was a 24-hour-a-day duty, and it was something he practiced intensely. So intensely that we are told he preached to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field, which is why we commemorate him in this special and unique way of blessing the animals, blessing our pets, some of whom have become our most beloved friends. And over time, Francis changed, both mentally and spiritually, but also physically. He died at a rather young age of about 44. And probably due to his asceticism, he was often in poor health. Not long before his death on the Feast of the Holy Cross, which is celebrated on September 14th, Francis was, and, and I believe I am correct in saying this, Francis was the first person in recorded history to receive the stigmata, the wounds of Christ in his hands and his feet and his side. <clears throat> One final story about Francis, because Francis, like us, didn't always get everything right. Not, not far outside of Assisi, there was an abandoned church that had begun to decay. You can imagine some of the walls crumbling in. Perhaps even the roof may have collapsed in. Francis felt the urging of the Holy Spirit and heard in his mind some rather specific words of Christ. Build my church. Now, Francis, like many of us might be inclined to do, began to take on a building project. And over the course of a few months, perhaps even a year, he rebuilt this church, this edifice that was crumbling. And people around the region came and celebrated the Mass and the liturgy there once again. But not long after the construction was complete, this same urging and this same voice came back to him and said, No, Francis, build my church. 
It was then, only then, that Francis learned that the church is not this structure, not the edifices that we build to gather the assembly, important though they are. Rather, the church is us. This gathering, this priesthood of believers. And this is what Francis understood to be his chief calling, to build the church. And to build it, especially out of those whom Jesus did come and minister to. The poor, the dejected, the sick, the widow, the orphan. The veritable least of these that our Lord teaches and commands us to minister to. So, my friends, let us preach the gospel always, using our words when it is necessary, and in doing, let us pray that we too can help our Lord build his church here on earth. Amen.